welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. Uh, well, after Saturday's match, we all might need a little soccer therapy, and so we're here to help us all talk through, talk it through a little, and make sense of it all. From the sandy shores of the beautiful Lake Louisville, I'm Dustin Nation. Joining us from his freshly rearranged office slash nursery slash guest room slash gym is Tristan Vick. Say hello, Tristan. Hi. And joining us from his third home in the press box of Dr. Pink Field, overlooking the famed Camry Gold Lot at Toyota Soccer Center, it's Armand Kafai. Say hello, Armand. I actually played at Dr. Pink, so uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's let the therapy begin. On Saturday night, FC Dallas suffered a 2 to nothing loss to Orlando City Soccer Club. Off of goals from Tesho and uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Es- Somebody else want to pronounce that name for me? No, go es- ahead. Esquies. Esquies. Uh, <laughs> 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 Let's all laugh at Dustin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so overall, a terribly, terribly uninspired performance. Uh, I think there was like four yellow cars. There was a maybe a, a handball shout in there that, that got looked at with VAR and didn't go our way again. Um, but yeah, overall, super uninspiring. What do we what do we make of that that loss, Tristan? Yeah, it was pretty awful. the The best thing you can take from it is that we created a lot of chances, whether it was off corners, having lots of possession. Um, looking confident, at least getting into their half. But then there was just no finished product. And there, it was pretty glaring and obvious. Uh, Jossi came off about 20, 30 minutes into the first half with what looked like to be cramps um, and essentially just couldn't play in the heat, which we all kind of suspected. So when he was on the starting lineup, everybody was a little bit surprised. Um Barrios came in and did what Barrios does best. And at the end of the day, when you don't have a center forward or a striker that's worth their weight or worth their salt, you're going to have a lot of chances created when you have good midfield play and no forwards. So that's what we got. Armand, uh, you've been at practice. What What was... Um, do we, is there any word on Jesse's injury? Uh I, I don't think anyone particularly asked. I know he wasn't there um, during uh, training. Um, and I don't know if it's one that's going to keep my while. I mean, I'm not a doctor, you know, I don't have that degree or anything. You know, I didn't go to med school or, you know, I don't have that. But I mean, I don't think it looks like anything that's going to be too prolonged of an injury. But Tristan, I want to ask you, doesn't it feel like we're talking about the the same talking points week in and week out with FC Dallas to see attack just being stagnant at times? Um, it does. And I'm not quite sure that's going to change going forward. Um, you don't see Dominic Baji necessarily improving. He's already 26, 25, 26. You don't see a whole lot of growth out of Jesus Ferreira just yet. He's still kind of growing into that frame. And Ricardo Pepe is just not quite up to par yet with MLS. So we're not going to have that threat that's going to unlock defenses anytime soon. So I don't see it changing uh, this season, at least. It's going to require a dynamic performance from our midfielders for us to... They're basically going to have to walk the ball into the net is how it looks like. 
for sure. This this was also this game was also on the back of All Star Week where we had like what amounted to basically half the team already in Orlando for the homegrown game and for the All Star game itself. Do you, how much of that do you think played into this match? And like, was it a hangover? Or are they just you know still riding the the low intensity of the the whole procedure proceedings or how much of that do you think there was in that match Armand? I don't, I don't think that really played that much of a role. I mean, if people want to make it that people want to make it that, I mean, actually like, I guess a little scoop. I mean, maybe by the time this is out, uh, my story will be out. But I mean, I talked to uh, Matt Hedges about it and Paxton Paxton about it. And they're both like, I mean, it was kind of like a rest for them because look, they come in, uh, an all-star it's a bunch of festivities you know it's a training you got a little training going on uh, where you just you know mess around and it's not as intense as the training you know with Dallas I don't think there was made that much of a hangover I think it's a symptom of what I guess we've been seeing uh, from afar which is just a consistent just when was the last time us we, we saw Dallas score a goal that wasn't kind of just given I mean, the two SKC goals were kind of given, right? Like, uh, I don't think they were anything especially created or anything. And I think it's just a symptom of these things adding up. And it was just a, it was a poor performance. But I feel like we've seen this script before. Dominate possession, you know, do actually pretty good on the road. And it's not creating anything in the final third. And it's again, it just, it just seems like the script is the same script all over again. You could like have a robot, like write it up and they just, just pump out that game. That was like, that's exactly what it would pump out. <laughs> Use a little bit of machine learning and like make a chat bot and a soccer bot. Yeah. A soccer bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this, this run of this run of form is an example of how the hunt family wants to run the club. Right. They don't really care if the team's like the top team in MLS, like sure they want to win trophies, but they want to kind of fall into the trophies like they did a couple years ago when they won the supporter shield and the open cup. They don't want to proactively invest in the team in such a way that it makes us a favorite necessarily going into the season. They want us to have a good year when the rest of the league happens to be having a bad year. And that's what 2016 was. So you're going to have this type of a setup when your team essentially lacks a proven professional center forward. And that's just how the team's set up, right? Like we don't, nobody is saying I'm an FC Dallas fan because I think they have the best team in MLS. We're, we're an FC Dallas fan because we like the wonder kids. We like the young kids that grew up 10 minutes from the stadium or an hour from the stadium that joined the Academy at 12 and they've played forever with them. And now they're professionals, right? Like that's a great story, but it rarely, if ever wins anything. And that's what we're getting now with, especially with when you have an investment like Christian Coleman, who is a flop and injured and is making seven, $800,000 to play with, the third tier of us soccer until sometimes. he's ready. Yeah. Sometimes. Right. So that's what you're going to get um, from FC Dallas for the rest of the season. They're not going to invest. They just came out and said that the transfer window closes uh, tomorrow. 
night. And so that's, that's it, right? Like we're going to have maybe a couple surprise performances. We maybe inch into one of the last few spots on the playoffs. But if you look at the table, I mean, if results hold, we don't control our own fate, right? Like we have two games that other teams have two. Sometimes I think everybody has at least one, some two games in hand on us. And so it's just a matter of time before other teams start to get higher than us, just because we've accumulated more games than they have. Sure. So let's, let's take a uh, step back here and kind of dive into a little bit about what you've said at the beginning of that um, with the, the center forward um, and us lacking the center forward. How much of our goal scoring problems do you guys think actually stem from not having the proper per, uh, a, a, from not having a proper center forward? And how much do you think of that is systemat- uh, systemic? I don't know if systemic is the right word, but I, th- I think Dustin's smiling a little bit. He, I think he wants me to say something spicy right here. Um, but I think a lot of it, you know what? I don't think they're creating enough, for lack of a better. I don't know if they're creating at, like as much as you know you you'd want from a team that used to score goals. I mean, it was almost like, like in the Orlando game they get to the final third and just nothing happened. Like quite literally, nothing happened. I mean, you can go through the XG numbers, and they're towards the bottom of the league. You can, you can, and you can watch it with your eyes too, and say, "Wow, they're like they're not creating anything." The only time they really create is through Michael Barrios. Uh, so if Mosquera is on the wing, nothing is really being created there. They try to move Jesus into the middle at some points, and they had a little success, but it wasn't that much, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they had Baji on the wing at some point, doesn't work out. I mean. Pablo even tr- doesn't work out. Uh, I don't know if any of the, if all the problems can be lumped on not having a center forward. A lot of it can be, but I think part of it can also be lumped on a midfield that just doesn't create. Um, and as much as, I mean, I, I'm going to have to revert back to this take, but as much as people want to talk about passing phone calls, offensive ability, I, I think it might be a little bit overstated in this system. Uh, I guess you got me to say system. I guess there you go. Uh, it's a little overstated in this system. Um, it's just not – he's not on the ball. He's not, he sometimes has these deep passes. But, I mean, look, if, if it was more, I guess, prominent, I think we'd be seeing it more and more. But we don't. We, quite frankly, we don't. And I think part of it, you know what, maybe it's not – maybe they don't need a 10, but they need something along the lines of – a guy that can create and, you know, John Arnold, uh, I guess a friend of the show. Uh, I remember when Brian Acosta was signed, he came out and said, I don't know why everyone's saying he's a really offensive minded guy. He's not. He's actually a very defensive minded guy. Like he was confused why, you know, a guy like him was getting, you know, box to box match and stuff like that. And I mean, if you think about it, then you have a guy like Cervanian Acosta, two, I guess, more defensive minded guys and Pomacall who, I think we've seen isn't the most offensive minded guy. Who's the spark? Is it going to be a guy you're going to rely on Barrios all the time? Shut down Barrios. We're going to have Mosquera. Yikes. I mean, that's not, that's not ideal. And I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I think some of it could be lumped on not having a center four. There's definitely other issues as well. Yeah. The sale of Grezo is, it's been mentioned before in other pods or on in articles you've read, but Whenever Grezo was sold, it created a big void where we said, oh, we'll be fine because we have such good young talent at the central midfield position. But I think that is 
kind of crazy that you can sell this premium Cadillac of a player and try to replace it with just a shiny souped up version of like a Honda, right? It's not the same thing at all. And that gap is meaning the responsibilities of guys like Paxton and other attacking players maybe aren't totally focused on going forward, right? Well, what if and, we put a spoiler on that Honda? Even then, Tulsa, man, it doesn't work. It's, I mean, you can try and say you live on the shores of Lake Louisville, but Lake Louisville is really just another one of those Texas artificial lakes, right? So until you're actually on the beaches, the white sandy beaches of Miami, right? You're not actually at the beach. So that's what, that's what the sale of Grezo has done, right? It's, it's kind of created a mirage where it's, like I said, what do we get excited about? Like these young kids. And so now we sell a player that now means that Cervania Cerio could have all this extra playing time, right? Maybe some Roberts in there. But really all it's doing is patching up a hole that one player was able to kind of balance the defense with some creating and attacking responsibility. And now nobody's picking up that slack. So I I don't think it's going to change it for a while. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, speaking of holes, uh, there was a tweet going around last match when uh, Pomichol was, or I guess it was one of the, the matches where Pomichol was injured with a, um, a, SKC a big match hole. Then, yeah. SKC or yeah. RSL, one of the two, right? One because two. he didn't start an RSL game and uh, he didn't play in the SKC game. Yeah. So one of those two um, where there was a big hole in, in pass and touching uh, touch, uh, stats right in the in zone 14, which is the zone that is right in front of the center of the box. And the, the implication is that, that that is a hole that is left by Paxton not being there. And I went back and looked and, and there's this conception that, that Paxton Pomacol plays this number 10 and he's, he's sitting there and he's pulling all the strings right there in the, the heart of the, of the offense. And then right there in the, in the, uh, the, the bowels of the defense, pulling the strings and, and making these passes. But that's really not the case. If you go back and look at the, 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 like, I guess it was the, the Minnesota match and this match against Orlando. And you look at all the places where he had touches or actions, very, very few of them actually come from zone 14. Part of that is because we just can't get the ball there. And part of it is, is that he set, sets up, if you watch, he sets up very, uh, very wide and a lot of his his passes come up come from the the sides and um so on on that front I, I'm gonna agree with you a little bit Armand on the, the Paxton's offensive like we can't he's not as as much of the offense as we as we think he is doesn't mean that he doesn't contribute to it in other ways besides XG or XA or assists, right? Like penetrating lines is important. We can't get into the offensive zone if he's not doing the things that he's doing, which is important, right? But as far as, you know, contributing to the numbers and the stats for offense, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Now, the the question then is like, so we've got this hole in the center and not even Paxton is filling it. And that's because the book, the playbook's out there on how to play FC Dallas play compact and we can't create anything to get, to get uh, through you around you. And we just keep going wide. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but the, the players we have 
for width just aren't there. It's not going to, they're not made for that wide game. If you watch, look at all of our, our crossing stats, they're abysmal there. If you, if you just look at the, um, the number of crosses going in and it's just, it's terrible. There's, there are very, very, very few of them actually make it to actually are actually completed. Um, and part of that is we don't have anybody that's like a target man, but part of that is that we don't have people who really know how to create on the wings. So Santi, I think, um, he's, I'm going on and on here. My, my apologies. <laughs> I, I very rarely go on rants, but let me have this one. So Santi, I like him. He's creative when he knows what he wants to do. Um, and we saw that in the, the Sevilla match, right? Like he knew what he wants to do. He, he, he ran at the defense, made a decision, scored a goal. But when he's on the wing, he's not decisive. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, and then that leaves pretty much the only player we have that knows what to do on the wings is Barrios. But yet we play time and time up the sidelines to try to get in and around the defense and it's just not working. And we got to figure out, we got to find solutions. And I think that's going to be the story of the second half for Luchi Gonzalez. Yeah, you're right then. The, the, I'm actually looking at the, but just like a league wide for now and crosses per game without looking. There's 20, 24 teams in the league. Where are we? Uh, as far as crosses attempted or crosses completed? Crosses attempted per game or completed. Gonna, I don't know what this one is. I'm going to go with 22nd. Hey, there you go. Oh, look at you, Dustin. So, that was on. <laughs> <laughs> but where do you think we are in total passes or it's actually called short passes per game easily top five there you go. We're, number, we're number five. Oh, five. There you so go. clearly we like to kick the ball around we just don't know how to kick it well and then this is where you can tell exactly where i actually think that this is a, like this is accumulation of an effect since we sold fabian castillo uh, two years ago, as well as getting rid of Mauro Diaz, right? We have three goals this season from set pieces, yet we have played more games than every other team in MLS, except for, I think, maybe one or two, right? We cannot create opportunities from set pieces any longer. We're a very one-dimensional team. If I think that's one of the reasons why teams feel like they can foul us pretty much anywhere on the pitch, is they know that even if it's on the right side and or on the left side or sorry, on the right side and Ziegler is able to bend in a left footed shot. It's not going in. They're not, there's nothing intimidating. Whereas if you foul somebody on probably five or six of the teams that are above us in the standings, you know, there's one player that you don't want having that opportunity. And we've lost matches last season because of stupid fouls that are, within 30 yards of the goal, right? I think we're just too one-dimensional. I don't think Lucci's realized how limited his roster really is, even when he plays the kids. And and this sounds like a really negative, like, podcast, but really what we're trying to say is, like, it should be, like, the problems are what they are. It's just that the ownership doesn't seem to have an impetus to do anything about it, which is crazy, right? Like, Ricardo Pepe's not going to be playing for FC Dallas this season. I mean, he has, but if he doesn't play again for FC Dallas and plays every game with North Texas, 
he's still going to be the same player he would have been otherwise, right? He's still going to develop. So if you're emphasizing the academy, why not go out and sign, take your $4 million from Grezo and whatever you got, whatever you can get for Pablo if you make it permanent, right? And finance that piece of it. Go out and get somebody that can be like a number nine or a number 10 that, and make Lucci say, hey, look, play a 4-3-3 actually like use the three forwards up front, right? Not just a mascara and having Barrios running ahead of everybody, right? I- so, hey, Armand, you've talked to Zanetta. Um, Who's Zanetta? Zanetta. Uh, what? The, the GM? What? Andre? Zanata. Andre? Zanata. Hey, Armand, so you've talked to <laughs> Zanata. Um, who is the GM of FC Dallas? Yes, he, okay. he pulls he pulls the the trade strings of, from what I understand. How much of of the non the lag is the lack of movement beyond Edwin Jesse is is the Hunts not wanting to finance a move, and how much of it is him not finding the right players? And, and like, is there an element of of just the whole organization being gun shy after Christian Coleman and after some of the other higher profile, uh, we'll call them transfer failures or transfer, uh, missed opportunities. It's that's a tough one. You asked me, you asked me a tough questions, Dustin. Them. We asked uh, the, the, hard the hard questions, questions. Here on this Dallas soccer show podcast. I, I feel like if Zanata wanted to, he could bring in the guys he wanted to. I think there is they want to emphasize, hey, look, we're a development club. We want to develop the players. The problem is the players aren't there and they won't be there for a little bit. And I think we all know this, that they're, they're just quite frankly not there. I mean, Tristan, it, it, you said it sounds negative, but I don't think it even sounds negative. I think it's the truth. I think it's the, I think it's the truth of the situation. Look, this team... I think without a transfer right now, just can't get better right now. Like just right now, uh, they, 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 they cannot get better. These offensive woes, they're going to happen. And they're going to happen a little bit more frequently because I think they need a little bit more better, so, some better pieces uh, here or there. They might have a standout game, but I mean, outside that, they, 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 they just need some better talent. And I think part of it's saying, hey, look, do we want to do that in terms of, you know, spend money on a big name or do you want to develop a player? And I think it's a weird battle, right? Because while you want Jesus to develop, you also want to win. Like you need to win. You, you, you want to spend the cash. And I don't think you can't have an excuse when the, when the crowd spent 10 million on Gustavo Bo. Where's the excuse? Is, is, is the excuse, uh, if the excuse is develop talent, then okay, go develop your, Go develop your talent, but I don't think a a, a player coming in will hinder someone's development. It might improve it a, a, even a little bit. It might cut down their playing time, but they get someone to learn from, to grow. And I, I, I just I don't know if it's I think it's more of a club philosophy thing. Like, hey, look, you have an academy, you got players, go play with them, have fun. But Tristan, I think you're right. The roster isn't good enough. And that that's a very that's a very negative thing to say, but I don't think the roster right now is good enough. And it's either going to take an uptick in form, or it's going to take a new player coming in. I think it has to be a new player coming in. And you look across the league, and teams are improving. 
left and right, adding players during his last days of this window. Dallas is a problem, and they're not adding anyone. There's no one being added. So do they want to win MLS Cup, or do they not? That's no, the question. No. They, they want to win Dallas Cup or whatever. <laughs> I mean, no, it's true. And and this is the biggest issue I have with it is this is a, like, you look at the problems of basically every, and this is a stupid comparison, but I'm going to make it anyways. So if you look at the problems of Arsenal and Manchester United and Chelsea and any of the other teams that are trying to break into those that top two that Liverpool and Man City have, the biggest glaring issue is having a defense that is steady and doesn't have a lot of gaps, right? And if you look at FC Dallas, where you say, what's the one strength this club has? It's goalkeepers having its be- his best season ever, and the defense is actually like a cohesive unit with like the ability to cover for a player like we did this weekend with Reggie being suspended. Perfect opportunity to invest in your forward line and use the two to three years that you have with Hedges and Ziegler and now Brisson coming in and you have young talent in the pipeline like Nelson and you have veterans like Hollingshead and you have Reggie Cannon on the right side who probably won't be here for another year or two, a couple more years. And instead, what are they doing? They're going out and signing a very, very poor man's version of Fabian Castillo. They're making the trade with Kellen and getting Dom Baji and then misplaying him for 10 months, right? Playing him out of position. And I think that you have a very, I mean, like I'm with you, Dustin, like the technical staff seems to be pretty up to par, but at this point it's not so much of an issue of like, do you have, do we have a good midfield? Eh, probably like Grezo was probably ready to go, but like, what are you going to do with that four and a half million? Right. And maybe they're saving it, right? Maybe they think they have something else for next season. My question is, what does this roster look like after next season? Right? Like why, if you're Paxton, why would you want to stay and sign a long-term deal versus saying I'll sign a one year deal with a, like a player option. Right. And maybe, you make a little less money, but you're able to say, look, if I don't like the way things are going halfway through next year in 2020, then like maybe we can look at moving me on and making that jump across to Europe. Right. That's what, if I'm Paxton, I'm thinking, right. Unless you just like love being mid table in the MLS, like, which I guess you could, but there's an ambition issue there. And so that's, that's the situation. Like, what are you selling these players on? And are you going to be able to sell them a vision? Because if you can't sell a vision, you're going to lose Roberts. You're going to lose, heck, you could probably lose Paxton and Reggie. Pepe's signed to a deal, right? And I don't think he's ready to move on just yet. But you've got a whole host of youth talent that is, hello, eligible to play for Mexico. And at any time that they wanted to, could up and leave and go play in Liga MX, or Liga MX if they wanted to, right? That's that's just the, the the facts, right? And until they actually show some impetus for the first team, instead of just investing in an academy, you're you're gonna have these results, man. Because it's not like there's not players that would be willing to play, right? Yes, does the Heat really really make it hard to sign somebody like a Zlatan or probably even a Rooney? Yes, it does. But it doesn't mean you couldn't get a guy like I think Marco Fabian could have been somebody they got. Heck, if you wanted to really make a splash, you could go and 
find a Javier Hernandez, right? Like, yes, you're going to have to pay and break your no million dollar player rule. But if you signed a, even, I mean, Hernandez obviously would be a big signing, but if you sign somebody like that, you won't make your money back up on the, the selling the fee, selling them on, you'll make it up on Jersey sales, right? And tickets. You actually put butts in seats. I, it just, maybe it's so simple. I don't understand it, but that's what I see whenever I look at it. And I, I don't consider myself dumb, right? <laughs> like I'm an accountant. I know how like buying and selling assets works. I feel like if you want to make your assets worth more, you should do something to make it more valuable rather than just relying on this value based team, which, Hey, See, there's a big assumption there. And that that's that they're, they actually want to fill the rest of the seats in the stadium. Um, like I think somebody did the the I think it was Buzz uh, from Third Degree did the the ROI discussion on what's it going to cost to to finish to fill out the remaining four thousand seats that go empty on, from a week to week basis and it, somebody has seems to have done that that calculation and decided it's just not worth it. So it's disappointing. I mean, but the thing is, it's a little disappointing, right? Because a guy like Lucci has a vision of wanting to play this modern style of football. We see it and some and fans some fans don't see it, but personally as like as someone who's like gone through like all these games like almost twice at some point I see it. And look, he just doesn't have the right players yet for it. And it's frustrating to see that hey, this guy wants to implement this vision and it's a good vision and you're seeing glimpses of it but there's one part that's missing. It's like you have a puzzle and two thirds that you have and you look in the box for the last third and it's gone. Like it's just gone. Someone took it. It's just empty. There's nothing there. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think though, that that's something that could change in one off season? I mean, when, when was Lucci, when Lucci essentially knew he was going to be coached by like what? November, December. I mean, it was more, more of a, more of a December kind of thing. And, uh, I think it can because it'll actually be a full office where you can hey you can come through he can talk be like hey I want ABC this and that and look they're they're re- they're still reeling off the the uh, purchase of Coleman I think they were one more year with Mosquera I mean I think we uh, we can all assume Coleman's gone after this year uh, to be honest he scores like ten goals in his last ten games and goes on fire but we all know it's not happening. And or a guy like Mosquera is probably sold on they have an offseason to get rid of some of those guys that just aren't fitting his system and they can hopefully reinvest that money to bring in things. And the thing is that sucks is we're talking about next year. We're not even talking about this year right now. And that this team is in the playoff hunt and that, you know, they're the seven seed and that they're, they're, they're still in it because that loss against Orlando was so disappointing. It was, and the last results have been so disappointing and so poor that people are already looking ahead. And it's, it's sad because this team is still in it. This team can easily be a six, seven, or five seed. I don't know why I said out of order. A five, six, or seven seed. But and we're not talking about it. We're instead we're talking about the next season. And the thing is, I guarantee you, we're not the only ones talking about that. We're not because it just it looks bleak. It looks bleak that these problems continue to persist. That a guy like Mosquero, who you bring in for around three million, doesn't is not working, or a guy like. Colman, who you bring in, spend the millions. It's not, it's not working, and it's, it's, it's a. I guess it, it, it's sad that I think 
that we're and justifiably so talking about next season. Yep. Well, part of any therapy is talking about what's wrong. Part of the therapy is trying to figure out how to move on next week. We have, or I guess this Saturday we have Minnesota at home. Minnesota is right there in the hunt with us. So this is essentially what they call those six point matches, right? Um, what do you do to try to change things from Orlando, the Orlando match? If you're Luchi Gonzalez, you don't start Jossie. Well, yeah, he's, he's injured. So there's step one check. All right. I think you, I mean, you bring Reggie back, right? You put Reggie back in the starting lineup. And then I think that you have to, I mean, Minnesota is not playing poorly, right? They're playing pretty well. Um, you're going to want to have, you're going to want to have your full strength squad out there as much as you can. Um, at forward, I don't really like what Jesus has done lately. I mean, we laugh at Baji. I guess it's nice to know that he's at least kind of finding himself in the right spot, even if he's doing the wrong thing when he gets there. Um, so I would like to see Baji there. I, I mean, Mascaro, we just kind of slacked him off a bit, but I think that you saw glimpses of what he can offer going forward when he gets a chance to cut in and play on a more direct line. So you'll want to see more of that. Um, and you'll want to see us control the midfield better. Um, it's never, I mean, Jesse had a really good game still, but at the end of the day, when a team scores early on you, it's tough to come out of that hole on the road. And I mean, it's not a hostile environment, but it was pretty hot. I'm sure that, some players felt a little leggy just from the heat, right? You go on the road and then play in the heat. It's going to be, it's just like playing at home, but you've had a three and a half hour plane ride or a three hour plane ride. So I'm hoping for Baji to actually put some more on target. Um, he had one, but it was saved. And then I will Barrios. I mean, Barrios is going to be the key, man. He's, He's been the MVP probably the last two seasons of this team. And so you're going to need Barrios to really step up and to keep playing at that high level and Paxton to maybe be a little more creative on the interior. Um, I think that that's your combination with Minnesota. So uh, my take with Minnesota, um, actually it's going to be kind of weird because I think we just spent this whole episode ripping them, ripping FC Dallas, but uh, I think you just play the way you do that they have at home. I think they'll they'll squeak out like a one or two a win. Um, if you mean like this, coming into it, Minnesota has a huge Open Cup game. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so Wednesday they have a really big uh, Open Cup match against Portland. All their party is going to be there. They're coming in on a short week Thursday travel day probably on a Friday after a one day recovery. Playing in the weather looks absolutely brutal uh, in terms of the heat. And to be honest, uh, Minnesota's form, I mean, I've seen him play a lot on accident, I guess. Too much ESPN plus on my time or something like that. And I, uh, I I feel like they're just a very lucky team. Like, especially at home, they just get like, so the handball shout in the Orlando game, almost kind of like almost a mirror situation happened in the uh, Minnesota Portland game. And it got called the handball and they scored in like the 90th minute in stoppage time. That's, 
that's the kind of luck that they've been having. Or uh, they they foul Ziegler and Ziegler misses a penalty. Uh, you know, or and Dallas had kind of that lapsed concentration back in Minnesota. I think if they play the same way they do, they'll be fine. But they gotta get packs the ball more in the middle. Like they, they gotta figure out a way. I don't know how you overload, and maybe you can find try to find a middle. But what, if I was Luchi Gonzalez putting on my coaching hat, I would I would say, hey guys, look, uh, Brandon and uh, Brian Acosta, I need you guys to you know focus a lot more on defensive and Paxton. I want you. I know you want to press and win the ball back, but I need you to focus on being up there and getting these balls in these spots and getting on them and trying to throw them. Get him more involved. So I'm not here saying that I think his offensive thing is over overstated. Get him more involved and have him do those penetrating passes. And you have, but and the thing is, you have to go through Barrios and Tristan. I'm with you. I think Baji should be your guy at Ford. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I'm not, I've not been impressed by Jesus. Again, he's learning, but I've not been impressed from what he's done. And at least Baji uh, can do the role uh, relatively well. But, I mean, I, I think I'll just stay the course. I think Dallas can easily get a result uh, against the Minnesota side that, like I said, has been lucky and is coming off very tired legs uh, going into this match. So I'll, I'm with you on that, except I was just I was looking up the recent form, man. These guys haven't lost since yeah the, the beginning of June. No, I no I agree. 100%, They're playing hot. I agree 100. percent But uh, I mean, I, they have that really impressive win against San Jose, a three one win. I mean, but some some of the results, I mean, they've been squeaking and squeaking out results, and they have been hot. But a lot of those results again at home, and that's I think the big thing. A lot of those things have been at home. I mean. What's what's kind of kind of disordering their goal difference? I guess is their huge seven one win over FC Cincinnati. That was huge, uh, and uh, but and again a lot of it has been at home. But I think the one standout was that three one win over San Jose, which again was at home. So I'm interested to see how to do outside of home and in the heat and on tired legs. I think that combination of those three can really help Dallas get this. And this would be a huge result. A win here is huge. Yep. Massive, especially because Minnesota is sitting in second place right now. I don't know how that happened. Second place right now in the Western Conference. So uh, yeah, if they don't win this match, I don't think they make the playoffs. That's how their home form is so key. They're gonna no need. Pressure. I mean, you just get paid to play sports. I mean, I feel like you should. There should always be pressure. Um, so yeah. so for me, for me, if I'm Lucci. I, I have uh, one thing to say to the team. I say, give the ball to Mikey. I, I think this this offense really is the only the only way we ever get offense is through Mikey. And um, I say, just give it to him. Uh, I I might be going out on a limb here. Has anybody ever? I just thought of this. So correct me if it's if I'm wrong. But I, has anybody ever said called him Barrios Speedwagon? I don't think so. No, no. no. We, I have just coined something. Barrio Speedwagon. Uh, based um, on following his Instagram, I don't think he would know what it means, but. <laughs> Maybe we should make t-shirts or something. I don't know. Barrio Speedwagon t-shirts. There you go. All righty. Well, we shall see what happens on Saturday against Minnesota here in Frisco on what pr- promises to be a steamy, steamy night. So we shall see. Thank everybody for joining us. We are the Dallas soccer show. You can find us online at the Dallas soccer, or sorry, at Dallas soccer show.com on Twitter as at Dallas soccer show. There's no E in there due to character length limits. Um, and <laughs> if you, and if you, 
if you, if you enjoyed the show, uh, tell a friend and subscribe on your podcast app. Uh, Tristan, Armand, take it, fellas. Take it easy, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.